Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is the 11th of January. It's a big day for Nebraska basketball. Got a chance to get a road victory. It's 7 degrees and feels like negative 9 in Lincoln. Finally winter, right? What, what winter waiting here? for? That snow came through was not nearly that bad. Nope. Um overnight. I know I didn't see what everything ended up being, but I know the expected wind chills last night were negative ten to negative fifteen. Obviously, right now it feels like negative nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can imagine when that sun was down, it was a little bit cooler last night. Snow not so bad once uh once it did stop falling into the evening. It didn't didn't last that long last night, but Winter is here. I know there was a, a lot of folks worried about what the roads were looking like. At least right now, from what I've seen in Lincoln, roads look good. Um, still, you want to be a little bit careful, just in case there's any of the the ice that's still frozen. Uh, just because it is cold. Um, I haven't looked at the interstates at all, but I do. I do know Lincoln was supposed to, and Southeast Nebraska was supposed to get the worst of it, mm-hmm. and that's that's what it looks like happened. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, the most important news, which we'll just get get out of the way right now, of course, 2 o'clock tomorrow, it's the Chiefs and the Texans. There you go. Kansas City on the quest for the Super Bowl. Do do Okay, so now that you're here and you've got it into an easier-to-read bracket style because the NFL with the reseeding sometimes yeah, confuses some people, yeah. um, what, what do you see as being the, the Super Bowl? What do you see as being what that final is? I know you're going to put the Chiefs there, but all bias aside, I think Kansas City might might be favored over Baltimore, even in Baltimore. Yeah. So uh, NFC, I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. The Packers and the Niners are the the home teams today and tomorrow. I, I maybe one of those two gets upset. I, I think the Niners probably the the best team top to bottom. Uh, I thought the Saints might have had a shot, but obviously they got knocked out. I don't know. I have no idea. But you know what? If the Chiefs are facing an NFC team, it'll be the Super Bowl, and I'll be okay with that. Oh, exactly. I yeah. I, I honestly think that it's going to be the winner of Seahawks-Packers, which is a really dumb way to go about that. But I think it'll be Packers come out of the NFC, and I think it's going to be Packers-Ravens. But mm-hmm. an addendum to that, I would be way more interested in any combination of Packers or Vikings against the Chiefs. Give us that Midwest flavor, because I know there's a bunch of, there's Chiefs fans here, there's Packers fans here, there's Vikings fans, um, there's some of us Bear fans too, and Bronco fans, but you know we're not playing right now. But that would give us that the local flavor as close as we can get for Lincoln uh, in the NFL playoffs. So that's, it, so that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for that too, because the Chiefs, they've played the Super Bowl twice. The two teams they've played against, the Packers and the Vikings. Super Bowl one, Super Bowl four. It's only been 50 years, Caleb. Uh, and it's, it's only been, what, four days since Nebraska beat Iowa. And Iowa beat Maryland last night. Yeah. They, what? They, it was not even close. to What was that, 65-49? Um, yeah, start, they started hitting all of their threes. Uh, what was it, Weiskamp? Well, they were certainly Went like due. five of nine. Yeah, they were four of 33 against Nebraska on Tuesday. Yeah, we- Weiskamp, I think, missed his first eight or nine threes against the Huskers on Tuesday. That that was a, a fun being up there and listening yeah. to a lot of the Iowa media guys. Oh, yeah. As soon as someone pulled up, you'd hear him go, why? They just started yelling, why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, they're having a great time. But um, Iowa was actually struggling against Maryland last night. And of course, Fran McCaffrey gets a technical, and they go on a run, and 
Same thing that happened Tuesday. Nebraska up 7 nothing out the gate. Everyone in PBA was like, what is happening that Iowa's missing point-blank, wide-open shots and Nebraska's not missing? We had Cam Mack bow and arrow like uh, 30 seconds into the game. And then Fran gets a technical, and all of a sudden it's 7-7. to Yeah, yeah. they, they raced that deficit quickly, uh, but Nebraska was able to separate again. Nebraska, the, the, one of the most amazing stats of that game, at the end of the first half, Iowa had out-rebounded Nebraska by only one. Yeah, only one. And so it, you saw Nebraska hitting the glass. Iowa obviously missed a lot of shots, and offensive rebounds have been a big problem for Nebraska. Opponents have been offensive rebounding like it's their job this season. But they were keeping Iowa away from those second-chance points opportunities, and they, they, they held them off at arm's length enough in that first half. Iowa obviously made a run and eventually actually had a brief lead in the second half. Uh, but the Huskers had enough to finish them off. Uh, Thor was 17, and uh, you, you had Deshaun Burke playing. He was still playing solid defense with two fouls at times in the first half. Hoiberg left him in there. Uh, he, he ended up getting a few shots. Uh, Cam Mack, 10 assists. Uh, we're going to talk later in the show uh, to Nebraska's all-time leader in assists, Brian Carr. Um, I, I'm I'm doing the math, and I will tell you whether or not Cam is even within striking distance of Brian. I, I was Carr. gonna I was gonna ask if we were gonna be able to put that together. Yeah, ba- based on the numbers and and his averages and and where he could potentially go. But um, we'll, we'll talk to Brian Carr about what he's seen from the Husker point guard this year, uh, and and what he's seen from the team in general. Uh, Brian lives in Indiana, so he follows the Hoosiers and the the Boilermakers a little bit as well. They've got okay basketball out there. They do, and and so the Huskers have obviously played both of those teams. Um, he'll have some good insight for us um, on a lot of different aspects aspects of the way this season's gone so far but the way the way that the Huskers played you saw Kevin Cross who's really come a long ways uh in his short time here um making steals on in on on you know dump down passes to Garza um you're seeing everybody contribute except for Gervais Green Gervais Green a a coach's decision DOP. that was possibly the biggest story out kind of developing story as the game went on yeah because uh, everyone was going okay we haven't seen Gervais all right, now there's six minutes left in the first half, haven't seen Gervais. Now there's 12 minutes left in the game, haven't seen Gervais. And all of a sudden, well, you know what? Easley's playing a whole lot, yeah. and he ends up playing a career-high 16 minutes. Um, had a couple of big plays, including with about six, seven minutes left in the game, diving on the floor, ripping the ball away from a guy almost twice his size, getting the timeout. And at that time, I think Nebraska was only up two or three, maybe four, uh, and that was one of the big things, kind of those winning plays that Hoiberg talks about. We'll get a lot more into this as the show goes on. We've got some sound, but Charlie Easley, as of yes- yesterday, now on scholarship with the Nebraska basketball team, the Pius X grad. Uh, but it was the plays like that throughout the game and then not seeing Gervais Green out there. It'll be interesting to see as we get to today's 3.30 tip-off at Northwestern here on 1400 KLIN, also KLIN.com and the KLIN app. Is Green worked more into the lineup, even if it's only five minutes? Is he put out onto the floor? Because from watching the Rutgers game, he was, what, negative 22, negative 25 for his plus minus. Um, The team did not look well or did not look good against North Dakota, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, although, I I mean, they looked as good as they were going to look against A&M, Corpus Christi just because... They were going to go dominate that team regardless, but mm-hmm. we thought the non-conference schedule should have looked better than it did. So the rotation is different now when you get more 
of Charlie Easley in there instead of Gervais Green. Obviously, that takes a little bit of scoring away, but defense and some of your passing and some of your other just kind of small intangible things that don't show up in the box score, that part goes up. So it'll be interesting to see what parts get changed with the rotation going forward. Uh, and then obviously, you know, just to go beat Iowa. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Mitchell was probably happy about that. Yeah. And and the way the Big Ten has shaped up this season, like the standings are all goofy. Um, you've got Rutgers in second place right now. Uh, you have Northwestern, the team that Nebraska is playing today. And granted, it is on the road. Uh, but Northwestern is the only winless team in conference play. Mm-hmm. The Huskers are a five and a half point dog to Northwestern. Yeah, that it, tells you that tells you how inconsistent Nebraska's been, uh, and it also tells you how hard it is to win on the road in Big Ten play. I that's think as the, well. That's the biggest part. There is how hard it is to win on the road in Big Ten play. Um, Nebraska beat Purdue at home, um, so obviously they'll have to go on the road. Lost to Indiana at Indiana. Indiana comes to Nebraska next Saturday, um, but. When you start to play some of the math, how Nebraska did against a team and how they're doing against another team, well, Iowa beat Maryland, and Maryland's ranked number 12 in the country. Yeah. Purdue went to Michigan and lost in double overtime. Granted, it ends up being a loss. You can even look on the women's side. Nebraska women had to go lose a last-second in overtime game at Michigan State. That's their only road game through the first four. Nebraska women are three and one in the conference. Mm-hmm. Men and women winning on the road is not an easy task in the Big Ten. You're going to have to find someone that's going to. There's whoever wins the Big Ten right now, and Michigan State's uh, undefeated in the conference. You're going to see someone end up winning the Big Ten conference. Could have three, four, five losses by the end of this Big Ten schedule. Yeah, yeah, you certainly could, and. The way that the Huskers have to play is, is I think that the, it's not that the Iowa game is a template because I don't know that you're going to be able to count on uh, what they got from everybody across the board in that game. Certainly, I think you can count on Cam Mack getting close to double-digit assists most games. Um, and just bleeding points in the paint. Yep. That Nebraska against Rutgers gave up 52 in the paint. Against Iowa gave up 52 in the paint. Going to have to find a way to bring that number down a little bit because if, if Iowa just hits two more threes, that's the game. Mm-hmm. But but there is something to say about the way that Nebraska has been defending the three. They've done that very well, whether that's blind luck or if it's skill, if it's something that they've worked on. I mean, I think there is some work to it because uh, if you look back at Tim Miles' era, uh, I don't remember if it was the the third to last year to his second to last year or a second to last year to his last year, but there was a market improvement in three point percentage defense, and so that's obviously something that you can focus on, and that's something that you can improve other than just hoping that they miss more. So this team does that well. That's a skill that this squad has. I think Hoiberg understands that you see offensively he, he how he values the three. He doesn't want any long twos. It's get to the rim or take a three. Mm-hmm. So you know he knows the value of a three, so that thus they're defending the three very well. Um, I think that is part of what their formula for success could be going forward. You can hold teams down from beyond the arc. That'll give you a chance in most games, even if you're going to be at a disadvantage in the paint. Hoiberg said the the two games that they did not do well with their strategy were Creighton and Rutgers. Creighton and Rutgers shot obviously very, very well. Mm-hmm. Like Creighton got up by like 50 within three minutes of the game starting. Yeah. But what Hoiberg has wanted to do, it worked against Indiana and Purdue, and then against Iowa, is 
keep guys out of the paint as much as possible, especially against Iowa. They had two or three guys in the paint at almost all times. Yeah. Um, Garza still went and got a monster double-double, but he wasn't able to score 40 points and grab 22 rebounds, which there were some saying that was a possibility against this Nebraska team. Still ended up with 16 and 18. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> no big deal. Um, yeah. he, he played extremely well. Creener played extremely well for him. Honestly, I don't understand why it wasn't just force-feeding Creener and Garza in the middle of the paint the whole game. Yeah. Um, but I digress. Nebraska, with trying to keep as much out of the middle as much as possible and then trying to then recover and run guys off of the three-point line, I think that's gotten a lot of the shooters now Iowa did miss a number of wide-open threes that they had no business missing. Those those should be gimmies. But the way Nebraska defends by forcing guys to move all over and they're chasing out on the closeouts, it does look like some of, those, some of the shooters get out of their rhythm. And I know you have to practice for someone running at you and jumping and on the closeout, and you, you should be able to pump fake, take a dribble, and hit the shots. Nebraska's done a good job of getting guys just out of rhythm enough that they're missing those shots, Nebraska 2-2 two and two in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. The way that Nebraska's defended has been um, credit to Doc Sadler. Uh, Nebraska's had some, some ugly-looking matchups. You Obviously, um, going up against uh, the, the Purdue big man, going up against Iowa's big man, those guys are... Uh, some of the best guys in the country at their size, and and the way that Nebraska is going to be an All American, very well could be. He's probably um, right there in in terms of Big Ten Player of the Year mm-hmm. um, candidacy. He's right right towards the top. Those guys did not have the type of success that people envisioned for them. They still got some. Um, there's no question about that. Harms and and Garza will do that to you. Um, but the way Nebraska was able to you know mitigate the damage. And still win those games, regardless. Um, that part of it is impressive. So, um, big ups to Nebraska, the way that they've played so far this season. Uh, getting the win against Iowa, they got the win against Purdue. Uh, they head to Northwestern today. Uh, we're going to continue talking about that as we move along today. Um, and we're going to talk next segment with Nebraska's all time assists leader, Brian Carr. Uh, he's uh, out in the state of Indiana. That's where he's from. Uh, was a four-year starter here at Nebraska in the 80s. Was on the first NCAA tournament team. Uh, and he will join us next to help break down this squad and talk a little bit about today's game here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Back here on KLI and Husker Hour. Week of a Nebraska victory over Iowa. And, of course, later today the Huskers are out in Evanston taking on the Northwestern Wildcats. That's a 3.30 tip, so you can hear pregame starting right here on KLIN at 2.30. And uh, joining us now to, to help break down this Husker team so far uh, is a, a guy who knows a little bit about it. It's Nebraska's all-time assists leader, Brian Carr, played in the 80s, was on Nebraska's first NCAA tournament team. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for joining us again. How are you? Uh, I'm doing just fine. I'm just so excited. To, always excited to talk Nebraska uh, hoops and and. Um, Go Big Red. Absolutely. Well, hey, I haven't talked to you since the, the Hoiberg hire was made. Just give me your thoughts uh, right when the hire was made, what you uh, what you were thinking that Hoiberg would bring to Nebraska, and how you've seen this thing develop so far. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of tough because Coach Miles and I were pretty close, and and uh, I really enjoyed watching him and, and listening to him and working with him and you know discussing things with him. So that was kind of a tough move, but then to obviously to – to hire a name like Fred Hoiberg and and uh, a coach like him and, and his success is it's a pretty big deal, right? It's a big deal for the for Nebraska and 
and uh, for the basketball program. And the thing I like about Coach Miles, uh, he's even said this to me uh, personally, was that that's a good hire, a great hire to, to bring him in. And, and he wants success. He wants success for Nebraska and, and so on. So, you know, obviously I think the recruiting game, that will help. I think that uh, his style of basketball is fun to watch and it's, it's uh, um, one that's been successful in the past and so on. So, uh, you know, obviously a great, great move and, and um, hopefully, uh, you know, <laughs> it's tough because the success has been we've had it and dropped it and had it dropped it with this <laughs> season. And I think, you know, a lot of that's there's a couple of things uh, going on there. One is these guys aren't used to each other yet. Obviously, there's a whole roster change basically, separate uh, door. But uh, other than that, it's just it's just been this, you know, up and down. I'm actually coaching right now, and we're going through the same you know, growing pains and uh, same kind of thing going on. We'll beat a really good team, and then we'll get beat by a team that, hey, we probably should have beaten and so on. But uh, we'll get it together. You know, coach will get it together, and uh, the players will get it together. So so far this season, Nebraska, like you said, they've been up and down. Um, but I think the thing that's given a lot of people uh, something to watch for is something to, to be excited about is those up moments, the win over Purdue, the win over Iowa. Um, what is the team, uh, a team like this, is ceiling in terms of, you know, are, are they going to be able to compete in every game, or is it just going to be just wildly inconsistent, or do you see them maybe catching uh, a little bit of their stride and, and playing more consistent down the road? Do you think that can all come about in just one season, having just like you said, turned over the entire roster? Yeah, I, I, it's a tough call, right? I mean, we're just not sure. Um, <laughs> I joke about this, but. If we knew that answer, boy, we'd make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, I wouldn't be a high school basketball coach, that's for sure. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's hard to tell, right? I think, I think the youth and I think the style of play will lend it into some nights of great success and some nights of struggle a little bit. I mean, um, not a huge team, right? We're not going to beat you up inside every night. I mean, the uh, uh, the, the game against Rutgers. I mean, that's that, the big kid really hurt us inside, right? And so yeah. um, that's not going to happen night in and night out. So you got to re- rely more on your jump shots, like the IU game. I mean, the, the, the Indiana University game, and you just made some great shots, especially down uh, down the stretch. And some nights they go in, some nights they don't. So um, that that might take place as well. So I I think it might be one of those years where it could be up and down, but it's also an exciting time because you got a chance to win it. You know, whenever uh, uh, you're stepping on the floor. Brian, Caleb Henry here. And one of those biggest mm-hmm. additions to this roster, obviously, had to do with that overhaul. Uh, Cam Mack at the point guard position has the only mm-hmm. triple double in program history outside of an exhibition, has half of the double doubles, point assist double doubles in the last uh, 30 years. What, what have you seen in his development from the start of the year, kind of to now getting more into the conference? Uh, conference portion of it, but also what what do you see makes him special about being out there and running the offense? Well, I'll first start with this. I may have had a triple-double. You may want to look back on the records. I might have had a game <laughs> where I had 10 points, 10 assists, and 10 turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding you. But, uh, um, what a player, right? I mean, how quick and how close he is off the dribble. But most importantly, if you notice the way the ball gets to the shooter, Right, it's not you know. As a point guard, 
the one thing about it is the first part of the shot is the pass. And uh, if you cannot get the ball to the guy, not just when he's ready to shoot, but in a spot where he can shoot and where he wants the ball to shoot, or you lead him to the goal or you lead him to the shot, I mean, that's what a point guard does. That's what a good passer does. Not that you pass it when you're in trouble only or you just hit the guy when he's open. It's leading him into the score, and, and uh, he does a really nice job of that. You can take all the fancy passes that he makes and stuff, and that's, that's awesome, right? It's fun to watch. But I think what's impressive is getting the ball to the guy in the movement to make the shot. And uh, it's, it's an art. It's a trick, kind of. I guess I shouldn't say an art, but it's more of a trick into uh, getting your guys to make the shot and, and to uh, trick the defense into you know, not being able to be in the right spot because the ball is delivered in a certain place. Brian, you'll have he's to forget. I mean, he, the cool. thing I like about him, too, is he makes shots, right? I mean, that's why he's so good off the bounce. That's why he's so good delivering the pass because he can make the shot. I mean, IU made, it was two, you know, one he got fouled or maybe both he got fouled on. I can't remember late in the game. And, and uh, those are tough shots, right? And he can make those. So that, and I think that's the thing about Coach Hoiberg is he's really running most of the stuff through him, right? So when you see that ball screen, the high pick and roll, and, um, you'll notice they'll pass the ball and get it right back, and then they'll run off of that. And uh, um, he's just—he's really, really confident with the ball, and he's really good with it. So, a lot of fun to watch. Brian, you'll have to forgive me as I wasn't alive in the '80s to have watched you play. <laughs> but uh, hey, be thankful. For <laughs> uh, Cam Mack, he, as you said, he scores the basketball. Did you didn't have any fun celebrations like the bow and arrow? Did you? Well, I didn't want to mention that, right? Because it's a much different day and age. <laughs> Um, you know, the Hunger Games hadn't been out yet either <laughs> in 1983, but there you go. Uh, we, I, I was a different player. I, I followed Jack Moore, and I, uh, Jack was obviously a great player for Nebraska, but he was also a great player for Muncie Central. And I was blessed to be able to watch him play uh, a lot of years. And um, um, I just I tried to emulate him. I mean, if you, if you ever watch video on him, or uh, if anybody remembers him, um, he... You didn't know if he made a shot, missed a shot, assisted on a shot, um, won a million dollars, right? I mean, he was the same tone all the time. Um, so that's the way I play. I mean, that, that was my goal. Now, we won a ball game. We beat Kansas or whatever the case was. I'm going to celebrate after the game. But during it, you know, I was all business and all. Just, that's the way I was. But it's pretty tough to take that away from a kid who's like him, like Coach like Cam, who can, you know, that might motivate him. That might get him going and going where for me, it just, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I probably wasn't that much fun to watch in comparison to him. Another minute here with uh, Brian Carr, Nebraska all-time assist leader uh, here on KLN Husker Hour. Uh, so, Brian, I did the math. Uh, you ended your career with 682 career assists, the all-time record here in Nebraska. Cam Mack right now is at 6.73 assists per game. Um, he'll play 31 regular season games this year. Um, he'll get at least one Big Ten tournament game, um, assuming that they maybe get some postseason action over the next couple of seasons and he stays through his senior year and stays healthy and plays every game. He'll have around 100 games. If you extrapolate that, that gets him to 673. That's within 10 of your record. Are you, are you starting to sweat a little bit here? <laughs> Only because I'm old. <laughs> no, I, I, it's my God. I, I, I'm such a lucky guy to uh, 
to have had the, the Nebraska on the front of my jersey, right? And, and uh, um, to be able to play on the teams that I played, you know, my buddies are that I played, Hoppin and Bernard Day and Keith Newbert and Bill Jackman. And, I mean, the list can go on and on. I better mention Jeff Reckaway or he'll be a little upset with me. <laughs> um, all of these names, we're, we're so close, right? We're very, very close. We communicate. Uh, the records themselves, all that stuff, yeah, fun, great, nice, and whatever. But um, it's the people, right? It's all these people that I've been a part of. And uh, I was talking to Dave, and we had this group text going out. Dave mentioned something about this to me, and, and uh, one of the things I said was, yeah, my God, you guys made it easy. I just threw it up in the air and caught it and scored it. I mean, how hard is that? You know, so... No, I, I wish him the best. It, 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 you know, and if he does that, if he breaks that, that means we're successful, mm-hmm. right? And and um, that's what's most important right now. And um, I had the opportunity to play. He has it too. And, you know, God bless him, and hopefully it all works out. And stay away from injuries. Right? I'll tell you, one thing, the records would have been blasted had Teron Lou played another year. So, yeah, uh, you know, those kind of I, – I, like I said, um, if you equate me with Nebraska basketball, that's all I need. That's the blessing. Well, we definitely do here, and uh, we appreciate you every time you come on with us. Uh, thanks to thanks to chat with you again. Uh, we appreciate you your time, and uh, good luck out there in your game today in Indiana. Yeah, yeah, we we got to hopefully get a win. We, like he said, we're we're kind of up and down and in between, but um, <laughs> still trying to get back. And as I've said before. To the, to the people of Nebraska. You gave me an opportunity to get an education. I've spent 32 years hopefully paying it back uh, through educating and, and uh, coaching kids. So yeah. GBR, and, and uh, I love the red and white, baby. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, Brian. Talk again soon. Okay, buddy. Take All care. Right. Bye. That's Brian Carr, Nebraska all-time assist leader uh, and uh, an assistant basketball coach out there in the state of Indiana. Not 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 going to be upset about Cam Mack taking his record if he if that means Nebraska is successful and I think he's right he certain it certainly would spell success I think if Nebraska gets three years of healthy solid basketball averaging over six and a half assists per game from Cam Mack well and Cam actually so the game after he got the triple double he said in one of the one of the first things he said was he's appreciative of the fact that he was able to be successful but he had to thank his teammates because you don't get that triple double. If, if your teammates don't, don't make shots. Yeah. Same with exactly. Brian. He doesn't have the school record for assists if his teammates didn't make shots. Yeah. So it, it, it's exciting to watch a lot of the things that Cam does. Sometimes you go, man, that would have been a highlight play. Guys have to finish those, and so far they have. And look, he's he's definitely deferential. He played with Dave Hoppin, and Dave Hoppin's the all-time leading scorer in Nebraska history. But to Brian's credit, his leading conference game assist total was in 1987, which was a year after Dave Hoppin had already left. That was against Missouri. He had 13. Cam Mack in that Purdue game when he got the double-double got to 12 assists. So um, that single-game conference record still stands. He got 18 in a game, did Brian Carr once, uh, against Evansville. That was in 1985. Uh, So uh, Brian Carr uh, definitely uh, dropping dimes uh, both uh, in the 80s and here on this show. And he did that without, what was there, just... Because the three point basket came in and was that eighty five or eighty six, uh, eighty six or eighty seven maybe. I'd, so so he, he played part of his career where you could pass it to anyone yeah. and they were going to take shots, but you didn't have people lining up specifically to shoot threes. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So the Keith Smart shot for Indiana over Syracuse that was 1987, and I don't think in that just envisioning that highlight in my mind, I don't think I remember there being a three point line. 
I know there wasn't when Jordan hit his shot in 83 for North Carolina, but I don't even think there was in 87. I think that might have been the next season, the 88. 87-88 season might have been the first one with the three-point line. 86. Oh, okay. No, so there NCAA was had it in 86. So that would have been the first season then. Yeah. That, okay. I'm so 86-87. Yep. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. So yeah, he did He did most of that work without the benefit of the three-pointer. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. So we, uh, of course, uh, thanks to Brian Carr for his time um, every, uh, every time he joins the show. All right. We're going to take a next break. Uh, further breakdown of uh, this matchup with Northwestern. And uh, we're going to get to Charlie Easley and Fred Hoiberg's comments about the Lincoln Pius grad. Walked on earlier, getting put on scholarship. Uh, that was big news yesterday. We're going to hear that coming up. We've got a lot more to get to here. Stick with us on the KLIN Husker Hour, 1400 KLIN. Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Just talked with Nebraska's all-time assist leader, Brian Carr, in our last segment. If you missed that, or if you miss anything on our show, you can always tune into the uh well, the, the not tune in, but you can check the podcast page, KLIN.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook, at KLIN Huskers. Uh, you won't miss a thing. Um, Caleb, uh, earlier this week, um, in fact, just yesterday, we found out the news that Charlie Easley has been put on scholarship. Uh, Fred Hoiberg and Charlie both talked to the media. Um, what, what, did, uh, what are we going to hear in these clips here? So we're going to start with uh, Charlie Easley and... The amazing part about this is, and we've got all, I just have the sound from the scrum, um, all the questions being asked there to him. He just found out before he walked out to talk to us. Um, he, he got mobbed by his teammates in the locker room. Um, you'll hear Hoiberg say he wished he would have had a camera going in there. Um, you see it a lot of times get shared when guys get put on scholarship, especially in football. You see guys towards the end of the year. Um, but Charlie coming out, he, he's still, He's still Charlie. He has that level head about him that is okay. It's team first, this and this, but you can tell he's excited. He, he's 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 pretty ready to go. And then um, we'll get to Hoiberg after that. But yeah, Charlie Easley, local kid, put on scholarship. It's one of those fun stories, like when when Garrett Nelson got got a black shirt during mm-hmm. football season. These are the fun things that we get to do with Nebraska kids. Yeah, bet on himself, and and made it work. And and he's been contributing and. Uh, earn that scholarship. This is Charlie Easley uh, just yesterday talking about getting put on scholarship. Coach Hoiberg just let me know, and it's a great feeling. A lot of hard work went into it, and thanks to the coaches, teammates, and everybody that helped me. And I mean, it's, it's just a start. I just got to keep working. Did you expect that coming into this season? No, I didn't. I mean, to be honest, I didn't expect to really play that much at all or anything. I just was going to go out here, work hard, and get better as much as I could. And and I did that, and the rest took care of itself. Did you envision any dream scenario where your freshman year, halfway through your freshman year, you'd be put on scholarship? No, I've. I don't think I've really t- taken it in yet. I. I mean, looking back to one year ago, I mean, I had no clue what I was going to do. I wasn't getting the offers that I wanted, and that's just how it worked. And I just had to keep working, keep going, keep playing my game, and the rest took care of itself. But you had some opportunities to play on scholarships straight out of high school. Yeah. Decided to walk on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what went into that decision initially to come here, essentially on your own dime, mm-hmm. uh, and then basically just work your way as opposed to getting it, getting the scholarship right away. Just the love for Nebraska. I mean, I grew up here. I grew up watching Nebraska, and it's. I mean, it's a local kids' dream to play for their hometown and in front of everybody they know. And it's just a great feeling to finally 
to get on scholarship because that was one of my goals coming in for sure. Charlie, did you just find out? Like just I now? just found out and I <laughs> just what? got mugged by the team. And, yeah. So. We thought they were just excited you were going to get to get interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that's exciting too, but yeah, I'm, I'm still taking it all in. It's it's a good feeling. Yeah, what's going through your mind right now? I'm going to tell my parents probably and uh, just, I don't know, just get ready to get mentally prepared for Northwestern because at the end of the day, I mean, it's a good thing, but I just got to the season is what matters. What is it about you that you think allowed you to earn a scholarship this quickly? Is there, is there something that you think the coaches identified that gave you this opportunity? I mean, obviously some stuff had to happen, but I just think I, I always try and be in the gym. I always try to be a gym rat, and as long as you work your hardest, things will play itself out, whether it's good or bad, and that's all you can do. You said you didn't think that you were going to play this year, but yet last time out you played career high 16 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, what types of things do you try to bring to the team? Because I mean, obviously you get guys that are mm -hmm. shooting, scoring, and stuff like that. Yeah. But what, what's your role in your mind? Well, yeah, I've always tried to not be a one-dimensional player. I mean, you're always going to have games where you don't shoot well or you're not hitting your shots, but you got to find other ways to impact the game. And that's always what I've tried to do with whether it's defense, rebounding, and all the little things that help the team win. It's Everybody has a different role, and everybody can help the team win in different ways. With this new era in play, now and you being the only Lincoln kid on the roster, getting a scholarship in your first year, how do you think it maybe paves the way for future Lincoln kids to come and be part of this program? I mean, I just think that's a good question. Uh, I mean, it gives them a little pathway. I mean, you, if you believe in yourself, you can. I mean, you don't have to listen to what people say or what analysts say about your game. If you if you want something bad enough and you work for it, then I mean, why why don't you go and get it? Do you realize that you're a hometown hero? I mean, every time you check into the game, there's like a you have your own cheering section from the crowd of PBA. I do, I do hear it, and it's a good feeling to be able to represent my home city. And I'm glad that everybody's behind me, and um, I'm just going to keep working my hardest and keep trying to make them proud. What have the coaches told you that they like that, that you bring? What reason why you're playing? Uh, I just think it's a lot of toughness and doing the being in the right spot, doing the little things right, is what's really helped me along the way. Hey Charlie, when you first got in the program, how long did it take till you sense I belong at this level? Did, were there doubts at first? How would you explain that? I came in off of surgery, so I was not practicing full speed for a while. And but I always believed in myself, and I always thought I could play at this level. And it just kind of getting in the flow of things, and yeah, I, I kind of noticed that like I could see things and kind of I, I belong to. Yeah, Charlie's right. He does belong here. And that's that's one of those things that you could see, and um, we'll hear from Hoiberg after the break how he has because Hoiberg wasn't really recruiting Charlie Easley because we had the coaching change between all of that. Yeah. Um, so Hoiberg had to learn who Charlie Easley was, um, but obviously once he got to campus and once he started playing um, on the scout team, started having to work himself up, work himself into some more minutes. You saw him play 10 against Purdue, 16 against Iowa. Charlie Charlie belongs here, and he does those small things that don't show up in the in the box score. We don't have the sound for it, but Deshaun Burke after the per, or after the Iowa game said that Charlie works so hard that if he sees Charlie here before him for a practice, the next day he tries to beat him by 10 minutes to get to practice. Mm -hmm. They they have those things that his teammates even recognize how hard he works, and that's obviously why he got kind of mugged in the in the locker room after everyone found out. Yeah, yeah. Look, if you have somebody who works hard like that on a team, I mean, people notice. 
and that raises the that raises the level for everybody else. That's you mentioned Garrett Nelson before we heard that about how when he got his black shirt and how emotional he was, Nebraska kid. Um, it, it's similar to that. You you hope that a guy like Garrett Nelson is going to be able to raise the profile of the rest of the black shirts um, to raise the the level of play, the effort, what what have you. Um, of every guy in that uh, in that unit, and that's kind of the the same thing that it sounds like Charlie's bringing with this team too. Um, all right, we're gonna get to uh, our break, and then like uh, Caleb said, uh, Fred Hoiberg's comments on the other side, um, and haven't gotten to this yet either. Uh, some coaching changes on the football staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna dig into that as well. More to come here on the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. All right, back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. A little bit of time left with us here this Saturday morning. It's heating up. It's 10 degrees. Woo! Feels like negative four. Is that, is that less? No, that, that's a little bit better. It was negative nine earlier, it yeah. feels like. Okay. Yeah, it's a little better. Well, hey, great great news, Caleb. Thanks for sharing that. Integers. <laughs> All right, we uh, we heard from Charlie Easley just uh, just last segment. Uh, Fred Hoiberg also spoke with the media um, about the uh, the Lincoln Pius kid getting put on scholarship here, and this is freshman season. Uh, this is what the head coach had to say. First going in there, guys. You know they they uh, everybody roots for Charlie. I mean he's he's just one of those guys that comes to work every day. Um, you know he shows up an hour before practice. He's shooting in a dark gym. Uh, before anybody else shows up and you know just it's it's easy to root for a guy like that that puts in the time and uh you know it's 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 fun anytime you can do something like that you know charlie got a little emotional shoot i got a little emotional talking to him in there one-on-one and then uh telling the team and you could just see it you know you saw charlie's hair was all over the place he had scratches on him i mean guys jumped him and um pretty exciting it's an exciting day for charlie an exciting day for our program what do you like about what he brings you on the floor? Well, Charlie just, you know, he brings that energy and the hustle, uh, you know, for a guy that scored one point in the game uh, to go out and have the type of impact that he had against Iowa. Um, you know, says everything you need to know. He just, he can impact winning, <clears throat> excuse me, without making shots. And that's a great quality in a player. Uh, you know, just a couple of plays that stand out this year is when he got into um, harms his legs on a block out against Purdue and drove him all the way back to the free throw line. And, you know, it just made, uh, you know, play after play. That Iowa game where he dove on the floor, uh, it's allowed us our arena got all night and called the timeout and was a huge possession that I thought gave us some momentum uh, at a critical time of the game. Uh, so just to see him out there, uh, you know, bonding with his teammates, uh, you know, playing out there early in the scout team and just how he's worked his way up, uh, it's been really fun to see. When it comes to building a program, how much does having a, a foundation like that that does all of those little things, isn't worried about his numbers, I mean, just as far as creating the type of culture you're looking for? Yeah, we, you know, we've been blessed to have three great walk-ons with not only Charlie, but with Jace Pajkowski and Brett Porter, who are both redshirting this year. Uh, you know, those guys come to work every day. I, you know, I'm the father of a redshirt, or sorry, of a, uh, of a walk-on at uh, Michigan State. I know how much time uh, they put into it without getting a lot of the glory uh, when you have success. Uh, you know, those guys put as much or more time in than anybody else because they have to learn the other team's plays and they have to go out and execute it. If they don't run it right, the coach that's in charge of the scout uh, chews their ass. So, you know, it's an important uh, position for those guys to go out there and, you know, they take pride in it as well to get these guys better and know their time uh, eventually will come. Uh, you know, you got Delano and Derek uh, and Shamil uh, sitting out as well. And it's fun to see that team play. Those guys have done a really good job. But, uh, you know, when this scholarship became available, uh, with Samari's transfer, you know, really was a no-brainer. Uh, you know, with Charlie, the way that he's gone out there and competed every day and uh, done everything that we've asked of him and made a big impact on this team. What was the trigger for you 
Like, what made you? I mean, have you been thinking about it for a while? And if you had been, what was the one thing or thing that made? Yeah, you yeah, we, yeah, we did. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, you look around and see uh, what happens at, at, at mid-year. Uh, you know, with, with a lot of things happening, but you know, I felt the best move for us was to give it to Charlie at this time. And uh, you know, again, he's one of the more popular guys on this team, uh, not only in the community, uh, you know, being a hometown kid, but uh, in that locker room as well. And you know, if you have a guy like that that again doesn't play uh, a ton of minutes, hasn't played a ton of minutes, and then he goes out and gets his opportunity and takes advantage of it. Uh, you know, it's it's um, you know really was a no brainer for, for for me. As you're trying to build this program, what does it mean to have a hometown kid like that in year one come out as a freshman, earn a scholarship, do all the little things right, and make the most of his time on the court? Yeah, you just you hear the energy pick up in the building anytime he takes his warm up off and, and goes to check in at, uh, at at the scores table. And you know he he is he's he's a guy that uh, is going to go out there and like I said earlier, he's going to have an impact on the game whether he's making shots or not. And I do think it's just a matter of time before his shots starts falling uh he's he's an excellent shooter and um you know once he hits a couple you know i think he's going to be off and running did how? you know much about charlie before <clears throat> your arrival here and, and how did that process go with you getting familiar with him and um he even reminded us that when he got here wasn't full go because he was coming off of surgery yeah he was he was coming off the ankle surgery uh you know i'd heard a lot about him just as far as winning the, the cha state championship last year uh, and doing it while injured. Um, you know, I talked to Coach uh, Spichka from Pius. My, my boys uh, are playing there. We're very fortunate to be playing there and going to school there. And uh, I did talk to him about Charlie. And, you know, he said the best, his best basketball is definitely in front of him because he played on a, you know, really on one foot for a lot of that season last year with, uh, with the spurs that he had in his ankle. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about Charlie, he wasn't supposed to come out and practice much early because he was still uh, going through his rehab. Uh, but you could just see it. He wanted to be out there. He wanted to be uh, full go. And, um, you know, once he was cleared, uh, you know, he hasn't missed a minute of practice since. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't know a ton about him. Obviously, you know, you get pretty consumed in your own uh, line of work where I was. But, uh, you know, when I got here and saw his work ethic, I knew that he had a chance to be a very good player. And he is taking uh, taking the most of those chances. You heard it from both Coach Hoiberg and you heard it from Charlie Easley. Some things had to happen for this opportunity to be there. First of all, for Charlie to have the playing opportunities was when they went to the, first of all, was Gervais Green suspension, the Indiana-Purdue weekend. Um, Charlie only played a couple minutes against Indiana in that overtime loss but then played 10 minutes against Purdue in the win, and then played 16 a career-high 16 minutes against Iowa this week in that win. Charlie's only been over into double-digit minutes twice this year. Those are both conference wins. Yeah. Um, so that tells you what he does on the court. But then when uh, out of Ohio, Samari Curtis, he decided to transfer. That opened up a scholarship. So things had to happen yeah. um, for this scholarship to be there for Charlie Easley. But it was his work ethic. He was already on his way to likely earning one, whether it was next year, whether it was as a junior. Things went his way to be able to get that playing time now and then to be able to say, hey, there is this scholarship open. And that's one of those things that I know there's uh, there's a lot of the, I'm not getting what I want now, I have to transfer, I have to go find what I want. Uh, Charlie knew what he wanted, and he wanted to play for Nebraska basketball, and he knew he was in for the long haul regardless of what that scholarship opportunity was, but he worked his tail off, which is the most old man thing I've ever said. I get that one from my dad. He worked his tail off, and he kept his head. He was just grinding, and that's what his teammates love about him, that when he's on the floor, uh, Cam Mack said it after the Iowa, Iowa win. He said, 
Charlie diving all over the place. He he makes those hard those hustle plays. Uh, Deshaun Burke um, at that same time said you can't teach those little things that Charlie easily does and brings to the team. And uh, when you can get a Nebraska kid, not just a Nebraska kid, I've talked with Jack Mitchell about this on LNK Today during the week, it's that local kid. He's here in the city, and like Hoiberg said, the crowd goes crazy if he just takes his warm-up off. He can take his warm-up off, throw it right back on and sit down, take his warm-up off again, the crowd will go crazy. You should try that sometime. They, they should. I'm just sure. Manufacture I'm, some, some energy in there. I'm sure the they'll do something, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he's going to be part of a team that's going out to Evanston today, uh, taking on uh, Northwestern. It's the only two teams in the Big Ten that are below 500 overall. Um, Huskers are about a five and a half point dog. The the Wildcats roster right now, the way they're uh, comprised, it's likely going to be uh, five first or second year players in the program. They have two freshmen, two sophomores, and a grad transfer. Um, they lost a junior guard for the season, Anthony Gaines. Um, they had a true freshman who was averaging about 11 points a game. He's out indefinitely. That's Boo Booey. Um, Pat Spencer is their leading uh, assist man. He's a guard. He's probably um, he, he is their grad transfer. He's probably the one who's going to be distributing the ball. They do have a couple of guys that are averaging over six rebounds per game, Pete Nance and Ryan Young. Both are 6'10". Um, so again, you're gonna have to worry about getting shots up and then those uh, offensive rebounds, second chance points. Uh, but uh, Nebraska is not going to be facing a lethal three point shooting team today. No. So it's going to be all about making sure that they defend uh, and make sure you get on the glass at least a little bit. Um, if you can do what you did against Iowa, don't only down one at halftime in the in the rebounding department, you're probably going to like where you're going to be at. I, I'm not anticipating a letdown today just because there's there's the energy out of the Iowa win. And then the team gets infused with more energy out of their latest practice, out of that Friday practice. Things go well, and then, hey, guys, by the way, Charlie Easley's on scholarship. Those guys love him. The, the fans obviously love him. That's another, that's another way to manufacture energy. We, yeah. we see, and that's not something you can do all the time, the way Fran McCaffrey goes and gets technicals. The way to manufacture that team energy, continue that chemistry, Charlie Easley on scholarship. As Coach Hoiberg said, it's a great day for the program. Yep. Day for the program today is a 3.30 tip out in Evanston. You can hear it, of course, right here on KLIN, 2.30 pregame uh, with Kent Pavelka and Jake Muehlheisen. Uh, we got some football coaching news we have to get to. We're going to do that when we come back, finishing up the KLIN Husker Hour next. Our thanks to Brian Carr, Nebraska's all-time assists leader, for joining us earlier in the program. If you missed any of that or anything else, you can catch up on the KLIN podcast page at KLIN.com, or you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at KLIN Huskers. All right, Jovan DeWitt uh, was with the, the staff the first two years. He was outside linebacker and special teams coach, uh, battled throat cancer while he was here. Uh, he is now uh, a coach with North Carolina, joining Mac Brown's squad. So Scott Frost has a coaching vacancy on right now. Um, the thought is that maybe we see Mike Dawson come back and, and rejoin the squad. He went. He left for a year after being here in 2018 uh, with the Giants. The Giants squad got fired, so he uh, is uh, available on the market. Um, Caleb, what do you think of uh, the, the fact that they won't have Javon DeWitt? He was special teams. Special teams wasn't great. What do you think they do with special teams? Is it still going to be a 
somebody who's going to coach it and something else and get help from a grad assistant, or do you, do you think they maybe go in a different direction this year? Well, first of all, DeWitt was a well-liked guy. Yes. He came up from UCF, uh, went through throat cancer, was cleared, uh, I believe, in August, um, did have a Twitter update this week that had it went in for another screening, completely clear. Good deal. Um, so that that's all the good stuff that we like to hear. Um, wish him all the best as he goes over with Emperor Palpatine and North Carolina. No, <laughs> nobody likes one second Mac. Um, but the, uh, so he he's off chasing what what he's doing there. Came up with Frost. Now he's gone. I'm hoping that there is someone who is just the special teams coach. Um, the things that Coach DeWitt could not control was the fact that six different kickers went sure. um, this last year. You cannot control guys getting injured, not being able to play. Um, you can only do so much, and then if guys are missing, guys guys are missing. There's, there's not a lot you can do. I'm hoping that there is a special teams-only coach comes in just to work with those guys. I I I would I don't disagree at all. I, I think that having a special teams only coach would would just invariably raise the level of special teams. I don't I don't see it happening. I think no. I think that the philosophy with this with the way Frost does things, he's going to have it the same way. Um, he likes to have somebody specific to a position, um, and then he's going to have multiple guys helping on special teams. We'll see if it improves. Um, I mean, I think just having a healthy kicker. Step one, yeah, that, helps that, a lot. that will start uh, and, and help a lot. Um, and then uh, we'll see what else. I don't know that they'll be done with uh, coaching changes, by the way. We'll, we'll see if that uh, we'll see how that develops. What else is going on this weekend? Um, we've also got to mention that women's basketball going tomorrow at Rutgers, um, taking on also 13-2 Rutgers, that game on B1073. Coming up on Thursday, Husker women's basketball at Maryland. That game will be on B1073 and here on 1400 KLIN. Um, later today, Husker basketball at Northwestern at 3.30. Nebraska wrestling gets the conference started tomorrow as well. And the Huskers take on Ohio State next uh Next week, it's Tuesday. Uh, that's their game after the Northwestern. Uh, We're going to have a lot States. to talk about next Saturday. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, that's it. Thanks again for joining us here today. Go Chiefs, and as always, go Big Red.